Good morning, church family. <laughs> All right, this morning we are so excited. Our 418 kids are going to lead worship this morning with a song in sign language. Uh, this summer in Discovery Camp, we had a track option where some of our kids were able to learn a song in sign language. And so um, we challenged ourselves to learn the song Holy Forever, which is a song Brother Aaron has been working on with the choir recently. And uh, we are excited to present this for you this morning. It's it's a wonderful thing that one day when we get to heaven, um, people in all languages, including sign language, will be praising our Lord and Savior. So we present to you Holy Forever.
right. We have just a few announcements this morning. So I want to let you know, women, we have an event coming up November 17th at 6.30 p.m. It's a Be a Blessing event, and you can sign up for that in the lobby. There's also a list of items that they are collecting for women at the Home of Grace in the Pasco House. And you can find out about that, again, in the lobby. We have an event, uh, an opportunity to serve this week at Faith New Orleans on Tuesday night. And if you are participating in that, make sure you see Brother Randy today. And again, there is a brief meeting after worship for those going on the Branson trip. It's just about five minutes with Brother David, so be sure and stay for that. Uh, (laughs) All right, and I also have one more special announcement. We... uh, You know, social media is not always a great thing, but this week we posted something on our social media page about Operation Christmas Child on our Luke 418 Facebook page. And shortly after we posted that, a lady from Albania messaged us, and we do have some pictures I want to show you. Her name is Olda, and she shared her story of in the year 2000, she received a shoebox from Operation Christmas Child. There was a note included inside of it, a postcard, actually, and she translated it. Um, Her entire family is Muslim, and so um, her parents actually threw away any Christian-related items that were included. But she translated that postcard and hung on to it. There was an address on that postcard, and she wrote to the people who packed that shoebox. And you'll see their picture there. They began a correspondence and a friendship And so over 23 years, they remained close, uh, all because of this shoebox. She is a practicing believer, a Christian, and a Muslim family. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) praise God. Uh, The story kind of came full circle because in the year 2019, there was a terrible earthquake in her city. They lost their home and everything they had. And that same year, her own daughter received a shoebox in 2019. Last year, Samaritan's Purse was able to uh, bring her to America. She was able to go to the church in Kentucky where the people... um, where the people worshipped, who, who packed that shoebox for her in the year 2000. So she was able to pack shoeboxes with them. That's her and the lady that packed that shoebox 23 years ago. She was able to pack shoeboxes herself and pray over them and experience the joy that it brings when you pack a shoebox. Uh, so I just wanted to share this story. She said, this is what she said to us. She prays that she wants to encourage us to keep sending blessings from the blessings that we have been given. She wants to encourage you to include an address or a picture because it means so much to them. She says the Lord knows exactly what the child will need who receives that shoebox. Jesus loved us first, and we share his love within the shoeboxes. So I just wanted to encourage you in that today. We are collecting those shoeboxes, and the due date is November 12th. Again, you can pack a physical shoebox, and you can get those out in the lobby, or you can even go online and pack a shoebox. There's a link on our church website, and those shoeboxes actually go in the hardest-to-reach areas of the country. So thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share this morning. Amen and amen. After a story like that, is there any way we could not worship a God who works all things together for good that they love Him? Let's pray together and then we'll get started this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much 
just for, for this, this time we have as a congregation to, to lead and to serve together, to get to know you each and every day, to grow in you and abide in you, Lord. Uh, in so many different ways. We thank you for our, our kids' ministry who came and signed a song, gave praise to you, Lord, and about the story of you using a shoebox to carry the gospel to someone who desperately needed it, Lord. We pray uh, just over that event that, that we have, bringing those shoeboxes in together, Lord. We pray that they would go exactly to the person that you'd have them uh, to be going to. We pray today that we we would testify to your holiness and your greatness that does not end. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand and welcome someone around you here to Luke 418 Fellowship today. Let's sing holy, holy together.
Jesus is our firm foundation. We can build our lives around him. We know that he will save us. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. Oh, I hope I can stand secure. Yes, Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your as we continue in worship today. In John 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. And they follow after me. I pray that today that we would listen and obey and know our Savior. All I once held dear, build my life upon all this world reveres. And wars to own All I once thought gain I have counted lost Spent and worthless now Compared to this Knowing you, Jesus No Yo 
valley together that we would lift our eyes that we would look to you our good shepherd that leads us to green pastures and besides still waters lord we pray that as things come up that we would not see them as inconveniences but opportunities to give your word lord we pray that we would listen to that holy spirit that sets up meeting places between god and man use us lord use our gifts that you have given to us for your kingdom. We pray today that we would not neglect to be grateful for each and everything that you have given to us because you've given us so much. Lord, we thank you so much for for Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, for his example of how to live, and even his example in the resurrection. Lord, we know that one day we will see you face to face, whether you call us home or we see you coming on the clouds to make all right. We pray that and long for that day with no more tears. We pray that we would give you our burdens, that you might make them light and humbly come to you so that we might let you turn our mourning to dancing, Lord. We pray today that we would look back and not see anything that we have accomplished, but what you have done through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Thank you, Ensemble and Choir and the Children's Choir for signing. I love how, I think that one of the signs was like higher is like this. Is that what they were doing? Something like this? Forever. Forever. So I'm going to start raising my hands like this whenever, uh, whenever y'all see my hands raised. Because um, he is king forever. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, open up to Psalms chapter Excuse me, Proverbs chapter 24. Um, I just want to give a shout out again to our sound team and tech team. I, if, you, if you have gone onto the Bible app today, you'll see a whole bunch of points. And those aren't the points today. Um, they worked tirelessly to put all that in. And then I showed up on Sunday morning with totally different points. And so I am so thankful that they even got it in today. Let's just let them know how thankful we are for them. So thank you, and thank you for forgiving me for bringing stuff at the last minute. Um, but the Lord has just changed the points. We're still going to be walking through the same passage today, but I just want to ask this question, what makes a happy home? You know, in our society, people believe that a happy home is formed by the American dream. If I can just have a nice house, a nice job with good uh, earnings and finances, then I can have this and that, and then we will be happy. The problem, though, is that in America, one of, if not the wealthiest country ever, we see the divorce rate at an all-time high. We see strife amongst family, even when they have so much. So what truly makes the home... What truly makes a happy or, or a joyous home? Well, the scripture tells us pretty clearly that the only way to find that is to build your home upon the foundation of Christ. Now, as I speak about the home today, there's a lot of things that are very convicting. Uh, very convicting for me. Very convicting probably for many of you. So I decided that we're going to start by just being very real with each other, that none of us have it together. And in saying that, I want to show you a video that lets you kind of recognize uh, the truth. You may see yourself in some of these clips. 
Okay, I'm gonna hop in the shower real quick. You get the kids ready, and then we'll get going. No. Okay. Hey, what? you just lay out their clothes because it takes me five minutes. Honey, That's perfect. Seriously. Jack, well, we're already late for church. Hey, Brian. Get yourself dressed. Did you pick up my stuff from the dry cleaners? Uh, ooh. Uh. Make it. Jack, I'm gonna make you waffles. Can I have a sandwich? Yes, but you gotta make it by yourself. Jack! Okay. This is all I could find, and the zipper's broken. All right, I'll go grab a safety pin. I got the high score! Uh. Anna, what are you doing? That's great, sweetie, but go get dressed. I need you to stay still, okay? Honey. Everybody needs to eat. Here you go. Here you go. Okay, here you go. I forgot my shoes. Oh, honey, we gotta go no. back. I wanna take off my shoes. Nobody's taking off the shoes. And I want everybody to understand that We made it. Yep. Can anybody relate? There was a lot of uh, laughter in the room. I, I, I think that maybe some of y'all uh, have, have done that before. Uh, especially when they honk the horn, come on, have y'all, yeah, so uh, Brother Fred told me as, as he was preparing uh, and, and working with me uh, to come alongside and pastor here at Luke, he said, David, I want you to know Sunday mornings are always the toughest, he said, the enemy will always come after you and your family, and he said, be prepared, uh, because it will be the time where it will be the easiest for you, just your focus is on one thing and to lose focus. And I told him one day, I said, Brother Fred, I figured it out. I know how to, to, to get to, to, the, to the church building without any type of struggle in the morning. I just wake up before everybody and leave before they wake up. But church, we say that, I saw my wife shaking her head yes on that, uh, I show you that video to say none of us has it all together. And there's a lot of reality in that video. Now hopefully you didn't shave and accidentally hit uh, the side of your head and, and show up. But uh, I want us to realize that we are all a work under construction and we need each other as we walk through these days. Listen, uh, Proverbs 24, 3 through 4, speaks of the house, the home. And I want to read this passage. It says, By wisdom a house is built, 
and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this passage. We thank you for the book of Proverbs, Lord. And as we walk through the book of Proverbs, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see that which you are speaking and teaching us, Lord. Uh, Father, for the family unit that is under attack so often, Lord, I pray today that we would recognize that there must be a foundation of wisdom, which is you, because wisdom has a name and it's Jesus. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. During my studies on this passage, different commentaries about 50-50 on whether house means a physical structure or whether it means the family that inhabits it. Uh, I personally believe that both exist uh, biblically, we see the physical structure of the home in Proverbs 1, 13, 14, 1, and 19, 14. But we also see the family which inhabits it in Proverbs 11, 15, and in Proverbs 31. Either way, I believe that the scripture is speaking to the foundation of a godly home is built upon these three things that we see here. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. What's very interesting is that we see those three tied together in Proverbs 3. And in Proverbs 3, verses 19 through 20, it says, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth, and by understanding established the heavens, and by knowledge the deeps were broken up. God is a God of order. And just as he founded the earth, so also he is the one who founded the family unit. The family is to be built upon what he shares, the foundation of wisdom. But the problem is, is that sin has entered into the world. In Genesis chapter 3, we see what we call the fall of man, where Adam and Eve were walking in the garden, and the snake deceives Eve, and Eve takes of this fruit. And in that moment, she passes it to her husband, he eats of it, and the fall of man, sin has now entered into this world. And we recognize that the, the effects that sin has on the family. Now, sin has effects on us personally, but there is an effect of the fall on the family. Uh, for the men, we see three things that happen in this passage in Genesis chapter 3. We see that, that Adam was somewhat passive. That when Eve is, is being deceived by the, the serpent, he is just sitting by. And for some of us, we've become passive in life. We also see that in Genesis 3.16, one of the curses is that, uh, speaking of the lady, it says to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain and childbirth and pain. You will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. We see that, that part of this is that man will rule over and we see that some men today take that to a further place than what was uh, given by God. Where they become overbearing and they, they begin to say, well, it's my way or the highway, it's my rule. And, and we see how sin affects that. But then we also see in 319 that man will what? He will work and, and work hard. It says, by the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you return to the ground. Church, we see that because of sin, that there is this idea of hard work. And can I tell you to some of the dads in this room, work has kept you away from your family. 
to the woman. It says in Genesis 3.16 that you're basically going to want to desire uh, to take the, the role from the man and that you're going to want to rule over the man. And oftentimes we, we see in marriages this idea of, of submission means like you have to wave the white flag and submission means all these bad things and so I'm not supposed to do this. But the scripture specifically calls that to the lady because the man is called to what? Lay down his life for her. When a man truly seeks the word of God and lays down their life for the woman, then that woman desires to submit to them, lovingly submits to them. But because of the fall of man, it has become this this struggle between man and woman. But we also see children are now born into sin. When a child is born, he is born into sin. We see that in in Romans. But let me just show you in Genesis 4-8 what happened because of the fall of man. Cain told Abel, his brother, And it came about when they were in the field and Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and he killed him. Church, we see that the fall of man is what has caused this struggle in the family unit today. You say, no, David, it's the culture. Well, why is the culture where it is today? Because of the fall of man. Why do we struggle with the things that the culture lies to us about because of the fall of man? Because of sin has entered into our hearts. It says that, that we were born into sin. But here's, here's the reality is that wisdom is what establishes a pathway back to the garden. Let me just say it again. Wisdom is what establishes a pathway back to the garden. So we want to look today at this understanding of wisdom. But it goes back to the very first message that we preached in Proverbs chapter 1. In Proverbs chapter 1, we talked about this idea of what was the purpose of the book. And it was to give wisdom, right? And what was wisdom? Well, Proverbs 9.10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We looked at this idea of wisdom, and we saw that the fool is the one who despises wisdom and instruction. But those who are wise have a reverence or trust of the Lord. We saw that, that wisdom had a name, and that name was Jesus. That to truly have wisdom means that you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. That it starts at salvation, at a reverence and trusting God to be your Lord and Savior. See, we must recognize that the way that we bring back the family unit to that which God created is by building upon the foundation of wisdom. Building upon the foundation of Christ. Allowing Christ to be the center of the home. You know, we saw as we looked at this in the past weeks, that even Paul said in 1 Corinthians, that the thing that I gave you first, or delivered to you of first importance was this, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that He was buried and that He raised on the third day according to the Scripture, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve and on, and ultimately He rose to heaven. Uh, Church, we must recognize that at the very beginning, for us to build a a, a home that is according to the Word of God, must start with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We can also talk about marriage. When it comes to marriage, if you want to have a godly marriage, it must first start with two sinful people who have a foundation upon Christ as their Lord and Savior. I tell people all the time, 
that you must look to Christ and not to your wife or, or not to your spouse, your husband. You must look to Christ to be your fulfillment, your all in all. In the family, we must look to Christ to be the foundation and that starts in your personal life. True wisdom is knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. We come into this world as fallen creatures. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 5 shows us that God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10 tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. Verse 10 goes on and says, For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Church, I'm here to tell you that everything that I'm about to share from this point on, you cannot do without the foundation first being on Christ. You cannot walk in understanding and knowledge if you first don't have wisdom, the fear of God, trusting Him as your Lord and Savior. Otherwise, you're going to try to build things on a faulty foundation. Matthew 7 speaks of that. He who hears these words of mine and obeys them is like a wise builder builds his house upon the rock. What is, what is Matthew talking about? What is Jesus talking about in the Sermon on the Mount? He's saying he who hears these words of mine. What's the first importance of the words that he spoke? And that was the gospel. The gospel. That the kingdom of God is here. That Jesus has come to die on the cross. Ultimately rising again on the third day. So that you may be set free. Church if you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or if you're here today and you have not repented of your sins. And turned to Jesus. You can't build a true godly home. Because it must start with the foundation. And that foundation is wisdom. Matthew 7 continues on. I know that I didn't give that to you on the back. Matthew 7 continues on. It says that if you hear these words and do not obey them, if you hear the gospel, if you hear the truth of what Christ has done and you do not obey them, you don't walk in them, you don't believe in Christ as your Lord and Savior, it says then you will build your house upon the sand, the shifting sand, the cultural norms, the American dream. And the winds and the waves of this, this earth's uh, circumstances and situations are going to come after you. And when that does, you're going to have a mighty fall. But those who have built upon the foundation of Christ, upon the wisdom of God, knowing wisdom, they will stand. As parents, it's essential for us to know Christ personally and for us to be growing in Christ daily. Let me just say it again. As parents, it is essential for us to know Christ personally and to grow in Christ daily. That's the foundation that we build the house upon. Then we're called to teach our kids the ways of the Lord. The next thing that we see here in this passage is first, there's wisdom the house is built. And by understanding, it is established. The next thing we see is understanding. When I think about understanding, I'm reminded of algebra class. Some of y'all never understood algebra. That's okay. You know, for me, I was a visual learner. Still am a visual learner. 
So the professor would speak several examples, but then he would show some examples on the whiteboard, right? Or the chalkboard when I was growing up. Right? We didn't have all these cool little computer things back then. And he would show us that, and eventually I would understand it. There was a teaching by sharing it. There was a teaching by showing it. And then I would eventually understand it. It would eventually click. I'd get it. And then I got tested on it to show whether I really understood it or not. Now, I will just confess and say this, and all the kids are going to agree with me over here. Sometimes our test doesn't really show, our, our grades doesn't really show our understanding, right? Amen. Amen. I see a few head nods back there. Parents and grandparents in the room, we are to show our children and our grandchildren by example of this foundation that we have upon Christ. What a child needs most first is Jesus. But what a child needs most from you as a parent and from you as a grandparent is to see the example of a Christ follower. To see the example of one who truly believes and walks out that faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. What a child truly needs from you is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1. Be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. What a child needs is to see you walking the walk. There's three things that I put down here that we need to do to give understanding. One, we need to speak. You've probably heard the saying that, uh, you know, share the gospel with everybody around you and if all else fails, use words. Uh, you know, I love the understanding of that, of that little saying because it's talking about your actions, right? But the scripture is very specific that we're called to use words. We're called to speak the gospel. We're called to speak the truth. And in this understanding at home, church, we're called to speak that into our children's life. Deuteronomy chapter 6 in the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and mind. And then it says this right after that. These words which I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall what? Teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall what? Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Church, we are called to speak the truth of God's word over our children. We're called to speak the truth of the foundation that we have on the wisdom of God, which is Jesus Christ. But when we speak that, we also must explain. We must explain why. It can't just simply be, well, because mom or dad said so. You know, our why and understanding the why will eventually become bigger than the pain. Let me explain this to you. When I trained and ran the Ironman, there was a lot of pain. And there were several days I wanted to quit. Several days. When I had to wake up at 3.30 in the morning to get on a bicycle, I was like, I'm ready just to, I'm done. Done. But my why was important to me. The why was is that I had been healed from a non-curable disease that affected my involuntary muscles and I had 
felt like I believed that the Lord had given me a word to go run this race to show the world how great and how big our God is. And that why is what kept me going. Church, we must explain to our children's children the why. Why do we follow the word? Why do we call you to obey your mother and father? I've shared this with you before. I don't tell my kids to obey me simply because I'm their daddy. I tell them to obey me because God's word has called them to obey their parents. Church, we must share with our children and our grandchildren the benefits and the consequences of our actions. We need to share with them the word of God so that they'll understand that the plumb line is not mom and dad, but the plumb line is God's word and he loves you and he cares for you. But not only do we need to explain the why in understanding, we need to be clear. How many times have you spoken something that you thought was crystal clear, but the other person just didn't hear you? All the wives just nudged their husband. How many times have you spoken to your kids something crystal clear? How can you misunderstand what I'm saying? What would you say, Dad? Church, we must be clear. And sometimes when we speak things, we may speak it in language that is way over their head. And we've got to bring the cookies down to the lower shelf. If I'm sitting at home trying to walk through my kids the idea of uh, deontology and teleology and eschatology and all these different things, they're going to be like, Dad has lost it. But we've got to speak in a manner where they can understand and where they can hear. But sometimes we're speaking things that just don't have clear instructions. About four, three years ago, I told you about the playroom at our house. And I told my kids, you need to go play, clean the playroom. And I kept getting frustrated every weekend. I'd go in the playroom and it was filthy. And they were like, we cleaned it. Well, finally, I went into the playroom and I said, I'm going to clean the playroom. And about an hour into it, I said, I don't know where anything goes. And obviously, they don't either. And so I was speaking something that was not clear enough for them to, to be successful in it. They were doing what they thought was right. I was just telling them to clean the playroom. I didn't give them my idea of, of cleanliness, which means everything needs to be per, put perfectly And it needs to, you know, all these different things that we're thinking in my head. But all I said was clean the playroom until I finally realized, hey, I need to help them recognize how to walk through this. Seven hours later, the playroom was clean. But not only do we need to be clear in our speaking, not only do we need to share the why in our speaking, but we must also recognize church That it's not simply do as I say and not as I do. Faith without works is what? Dead. We must show our children through our actions. We must show our children through our actions. Understanding comes by us speaking. Understanding comes by us uh, giving action and showing them. Church, we are an example of a Christ follower to the children. Are we showing them the way of the Lord or are we showing them the way of the world? Can I tell you that they're watching you? And if you're not going to give them clear instruction and clear guidance in the home, TV will. Games will. Friends at school will. Who do you trust more to teach them? 
their kids at, at school or you? And so we must be speaking, we must be showing through action. Men, do you show your children how to lead your family well by submitting to the Lord? Women, do you show your children the relationship of Christ in the church by the way that you submit to your husband's loving leadership? Parents, together, your children need to see this example. I understand we are not perfect. We are all a work under construction. But I want to ask some practical things right now. Do the people that are around you, do they see, do your children, grandchildren, do they see you praying? Do you pray with them? Do they see you in the Word? Do you open the Word with them? Do they see you memorizing Scripture? Do you memorize Scripture with them? Do they see you walking in forgiveness of others? Here's a tough one. Do you ask them for forgiveness when you've wronged them? Do they see you disciplining your life for the purpose of godliness? Do you help them in discipline? Do they see you prioritize worship here with the body of Christ? Do they see you here with a heart of joy for who your Savior is and what He's done in the way that we worship? Brother Fred used to say, sometimes Christians look like they drank a whole bottle of pickle juice. And listen, I'm not sitting here saying that we need to make some big show, but I'm telling you, children can see and recognize the reality of the heart. The way that we express things, the way that we say things, they can recognize it. Parents, church members, do children see that the, the, the attitude, do you have a good attitude recognizing that no matter what happens in life, God is in control. Let me ask you this, does your children see you properly steward what God has given you? Now here's a tough one. To be an example, to be able to speak into their lives, you must be present. And I don't mean just physically, but you have to also have to be intentional. You have to be present physically and mentally. Men, let's be honest. It's easy for us to chase the American dream and financial stability to the detriment of our children. What a kid wants more than silver and gold is you. Proverbs 15, 16, and 17 speaks this so clearly. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil within it. Better is a dish of vegetables where love is than a fattened ox served with hatred. I struggle with that second part because I love a good steak. But is not Solomon making such a great statement to his son here? It's better for you to have little. It's better for you to eat vegetables. Brother Randy doesn't even eat vegetables. 
It's better for you to eat vegetables than a steak. For you to have the fear of the Lord than for it to be served with hatred or turmoil. Proverbs 17.1 speaks the same thing. Better is a dry morsel and quietness with it than a house full of feasting with strife. Parents, I'm here to tell you that what your kids need more than the silver and gold is they need you. But not only do they need you, but they need Christ in you. Some of you may remember that Brother Ed told me one day, oh, I told Brother Ed one day, I said, Brother Ed, we need to sing this song. He goes, yeah, we do, and you'll sing it. I said, great. I went home and told Leslie, and she goes, I'm not, the Lord's not telling me that. I said, me too. I came back to Brother Ed. I said, Leslie doesn't feel the Lord leading, her, leading us in this, and does, I don't feel the Lord leading us in this. And he looked at me and goes, well, the Lord's telling me who's right. I said, you are. You are. And so I sat here right on this step, and I sang a song to Emmy when I was, she must have been like five. I did not get the video for you. But in that song, it said this, I want to be your everything. But Jesus is the one you need. I want to be your everything, but Jesus is the one that you need. Church, we must recognize that first it starts with wisdom, salvation, trusting Jesus, letting that be the foundation, and then we're called to share that and show that within our household. It's not just come in on a Sunday, everything's great, like that video. We come in and we say, hey, listen, I'm still a work under construction. I'm still striving to grow in Christ daily. And it's painful what the world is throwing at my family. It's painful what the world is throwing at my kids. But the foundation is on Jesus Christ and we're going to stand. And as a body of Christ, pray for me. So how do we give understanding? By speaking it. By showing it. Oh, but there's another one. By discipline. By discipline. I'm here to tell you there must be discipline in your life and in your children's life. Proverbs is so clear on this. Proverbs 13, 24 says, He who withholds the rod hates his son. But he who loves discipline, uh, or loves him, disciplines him uh, diligently. Proverbs 23, 13 through 14. Do not hold back discipline from your child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not what? You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. Discipline is a gospel issue. Let me just say that again. Discipline is a gospel issue. When we discipline in our lives, it's for the purpose of what? Godliness. I thank God that he disciplines me to remove things out of my life that's not in accordance to his word. And so too, we're called to reflect this in our discipline to our children. And listen, you say, well, David, if you spank a child, then you are going to just ruin his personality. Listen, I was looking up statistics 
about this, about parenting and discipline and all this stuff. And I came across one from another country that said, all these uh, psychologists said that it is so bad for a child for them to be, to have a spanking. And that it will mess them up. Well, I'm here to tell you, it didn't mess me up. My dad's here today, but it didn't mess me up. You know, it's interesting that there's also some studies that show that those who have received spankings as a child in, their, in the discipline process have actually come out better in the end. The problem is this. The problem is when a parent spanks their child in anger. I'm so mad that they disobeyed me. That's not the time to give a spanking. Discipline is out of love. Listen, we all understand discipline. If you discipline yourself to go to the gym and you work out, is there pain involved? Absolutely. If you haven't been to the gym in the last year, just go for one day. Tell me how you feel tomorrow. We understand that that pain is building something, a result. We must recognize, church, that God has called us to this idea, this understanding, this purpose of discipline, and it is out of love for our children. It is to help them grow. It shows them that there's real consequences in life. And listen, I've heard this all my life, and it is so true. The consequences now for a child is much less than later in life. Church, there's a purpose behind it. It actually shows the care of the parent when they do it out of love and not out of anger or frustration. And when I was growing up, I used to love Mark Lowry. Still do. And he used to say, you know, one day my dad told me to go upstairs and prepare for my spanking. He went upstairs and he put on about 15 pairs of undergarments and then pulled his jeans up over that. But then one day he said, I'm just going to bite the blanket. He said, somebody told me to bite the blanket. So he just started chewing on a blanket and he said it did not work. But this is what Mark Lowry always said. He said, my dad would say this, this is going to hurt me a whole lot worse and it's going to hurt you. And Mark Lowry would say, then why can't I give you the spanking, dad? But to the kids in this room, I want you to hear and those who uh, are in this room, it really does hurt the parent more than it does the child. Why? Because we don't want to see our child go through pain, but we recognize that there is growth in the midst of that pain. There's a purpose for it. Church, we must recognize, as Proverbs 24 says, that there is a foundation for the house, and that's the wisdom of God. There must be built upon salvation. And in that salvation, in Christ being the foundation, then there's understanding that we are called to teach our children the way of the Lord through speaking, through actions, and through discipline. But then it says this, And by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. By knowledge, the rooms are filled. Now, I just want you to know that this understanding does not simply talk about wealth. And if you want to be reminded, it says in Ephesians 1, we have all these spiritual blessings in heaven. And those spiritual blessings talk about being redeemed, chosen. It talks about having an inheritance. It talks about being sealed by the Spirit. None of those are material or financial in nature. 
But when we have a foundation on the Word of God, on wisdom, and we share understanding through our actions in our life by reflecting Christ, then we see that knowledge abounds, and this knowledge is a means to know or, or discernment. When a family is founded on Christ and is growing in Christ in their understanding, they will have the knowledge and discernment to stay away from the things of this world that will still kill and destroy you. Church, I'm here to tell you that happiness is not found in the American dream. True joy and peace in the home is only found in Jesus Christ. To the parents in this room today, it starts with you knowing Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then to reflect that. But I believe that this message is practical as it is for parents and family. I believe that it's practical for every one of us. Because I'm here to tell you that if you're in college, or if you're in, if you're in college, you may be looking for a spouse, as they always talk about. But I pray that you would say, okay, I'm going to find one whose foundation is on the Word. Because if we're going to have a godly family, if we're going to have a family that reflects the Word of God, it's going to have to be founded on the truth. If you're a child in this room, you're now realizing why your mom and dad discipline you. And when you get my age, you'll go back to your parents and say thank you. I remember the first time when I was, in tw- when I was 20-something years old, I went to my parents and I was like, you know, I've never said thank you for all those discipline. But thank you, because it showed me parameters. Church, this brings about knowledge, the discernment that we can stay away from the things that will bring attacks on the family. So the question today is this, what's the foundation of your household? Somebody told me one time, they said, David, if a child gets saved, you may see one or two others from the family get saved. If the mother gets saved, you may see a few others But if the dad comes to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, oftentimes the whole family comes to know Christ. With that being said, I want you to know next week, I'm going to specifically look into the man's role in the family and what we see in the book of Proverbs about the man. Ladies, that's coming too. And there's more than Proverbs 31 in the book of Proverbs, just so you'll know. But today as we close, I want to do something a little different. I shared that video. It's hilarious. It really is. Because all of us, there's something we could relate to. Um, I love the idea of coming in with no shoes on. (laughs) And no socks. But all of us are a work under construction. All of us must recognize that in the family, the foundation must be Christ. But I think that we all must recognize, too, that there is a constant attack on the family today. There's a constant attack on the family unit. And so here's how I want to close today. I want to ask that if you're in this room and you are uh, parents, a family, uh, and I understand that there are single parents in this room, and I'm going to ask you to also participate in this, but if you are uh, a parent with children, let's just say college and under, I want to ask you to stand. And in standing, church, I want to pray for them. Because many of you in this room have been through what we just talked about. 
Some of you would say, I got a passing grade, and some would say, ooh, my, my grade's not so good. But listen, there's mercy and grace in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I want the church to pray for the families today. And so as we close, I would ask, if you are a family or if you are a single parent, especially single parents, because they have so much of a burden on them, would you stand at this time that we could pray for you? Even if you're by yourself, would you stand? Now those who have grandparents or those who are grandparents, you've been through this, I want to ask you to either reach your hand towards the people standing, or I want to ask you to step up and, and go walk over and put your hand around them. And I want to pray. I'm going to ask you first to pray for them. And then I will close us in prayer. So let's take a time just to pray for those who are standing. I see people all over. Either place your hand towards them or, or, or step up and walk over to them.